0: Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Sounds like we have a lot to love in our city, especially during the summer. That's good. Uh, My name is Kerry. I'm the director of Next Steps and Connections here. And I'm so glad that you joined us, whether you're here in the auditorium or if you're viewing from the corner classroom. We are excited that you are a part of what God's going to do here this morning. As Caitlin said, we are in the middle of a series we've entitled Beyond Me. And uh, last week, Nancy Beach taught us about an incredible new perspective on worship and how we can worship with awe and abandon. And it was was just an incredible message as we look towards and lean into the goodness and the grandness of God. And so uh, if you weren't here because uh, maybe you're out of town uh, for 4th of July or other 4th of July reasons, uh, I would encourage you to check out. There you go. Uh, I would encourage you to check out uh, that message online. It was it was powerful. Um, this morning, we are going to look at an idea uh, that is really, we all have it in common, it's how we all got here. Uh, not biologically speaking, uh, if your parents didn't have that conversation with you yet, I will leave that up to someone else. But how we all got here, like to a place like this, why it is that we all take time out of our schedule to come And to listen about and learn about and experience and sing to a Jewish carpenter who lived thousands of miles away thousands of years ago. Who never led a company or won any sort of prize or wrote a book. And yet here we are talking about him. And you need to know that whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here for a long time, uh, you this morning are stepping into a move of God that is bigger than anything that we could ever know and bigger than anything else that we could ever give our lives to. And so that's why we're calling this series Beyond Me. But it's curious that we would be in a place like this, like I said, so far removed, talking about this person named Jesus. How did that happen? How did we all get here? How did you get here? How did I get here? So far removed from where he lived and who uh, he interacted with. And the reality is that we all have this thing in common, that the reason that we're here is because somebody shared something with us. Somebody shared something with us. It might have been an invitation. It might have been the story of their experience with Jesus. It might have been their car to literally pick us up and give us a ride uh, to this address. Uh, But whatever it was, it was because someone shared something with us. And and, and we know that that's a really important thing. It's actually the reason that we are here. And so this idea that we're talking about this morning, uh, it's this word called evangelism. And you probably have some emotional feelings about that word, Uh, maybe a few eye rolls as well, and that's okay. Uh, We've all had different experiences with this word. Uh, we, we have many, perhaps, negative experiences about the word evangelism or evangelist. Right? We equate that to a door-to-door vacuum salesman. No offense if that's what you do. Um, but we tend to resist that word and have a little bit of an ick feeling, deep theological word, an ick feeling, uh, towards evangelism sometimes. But actually what's interesting is that the word evangelism, it, what, it, what it means is simply telling of good news. Telling of good news. Uh, uh, Communicating something to someone that is a positive thing. And, and for some of us, uh, that we, we relate with that because that was our experience. When someone shared their story or they explained to us who Jesus was or they extended an invitation for us to experience him, uh, that felt like them giving us a gift. But for many of us, maybe even most of us, this idea comes with a different feeling. It has more of a connotation of forced coercion or, or maybe fear-mongering. Or maybe something that actually deeply hurt us. And it's maybe the reason you've stayed away from communities like this or other churches for a long time is because of your experience with this word. So I know this is a very loaded word. It's a charged... Idea, But my hope in prayer is as we look to the scriptures, to some of the very first followers and how they were invited to follow Jesus and then what they did immediately after. My hope is that together we can not only find some common understanding around this word, but also find out how God is inviting us to invite other people. How and why God is inviting us to invite other people to experience him. And so you got to share with some friends that you just met, uh, you know, what your greatest experience was in the city that you can remember. Uh, but this last Sunday was a pretty big day for our country as well, or at least our U.S. women's soccer team. Uh, did anybody watch the World Cup? Like 12 of you. It's good. That's what, I, that's what I anticipated. The rest of you were just clapping because you thought you should. Um, well, let me, for those of you that didn't get a chance to watch the final, let me explain to you what happened. An orbed object crossed a very thin painted section of Earth into a large netted rectangle device after being struck by a lower appendage of a female athlete. And that happened five times. Feel like you were there? I can, I can sense the excitement in those, that you're engaging with this. Maybe this will help. Check this out. Two-inch height advantage over Japan. Played in short on the ground, quick shot. Russell Holiday will strike. Setting it low again. The flip from John Stan loose. Another goal. Party Lloyd again. 2 0 US. And that was the reaction I was hoping for. <laughs> you guys didn't have that. And so, why does she feel something? Well, I mean, when, that, when those moments happen, and all that happened is a ball crossed the line. But, man, if you, if you watch that show in Spanish, like they say goal for like 16 minutes. <laughs> like, this is a celebration. And, and yet my explanation didn't really do it justice. And, and we all know that that's because the most powerful moments in our life can't be explained. They have to be experienced. There's a difference. There's a difference between an explanation and an experience. Right, Lloyd had an experience. She just scored a goal in the World Cup final. This was like the pinnacle of her career, and she is pumped up about it. You're like, okay, right? But there's something that you've had, right? You've had one of those kind of had-to-be-there experiences that you've tried to explain it to a friend later, and you're like, you just don't understand. Right? That, that amazing catch when they won the game in the ninth inning. You, you know, you can watch the highlights later, but it's just not the same as being there. Right? That incredible dessert at your favorite restaurant where they, like, they light it on fire and it sparkles. You're like, I promise, it's not just creme brulee. Like, there's something more, right? <laughs> this is amazing. And you can't explain it, you just have to experience it. Your child's first step. I mean, these moments that, like, you just have to be there. You can tell something about it later, but it's not the same. We know that there's a difference between an explanation and an experience. And the same is true in our experience with Jesus that the love of God is not to be explained, it needs to be experienced. The love of God can't be explained but it needs to be experienced. And so for those, of the, for those of you, you might relate to this, and maybe you've been here and you've had an experience with Jesus. Can you remember your first time that you really felt the love of God? It probably wasn't because somebody convinced you with an appealing argument. It just happened. and You were overwhelmed. I remember a time when I was young and all of a sudden I realized that in spite of all of my junk and all of my hiding and all of my sin that God still... Loved me. It was powerful. You, you could argue all day with me why you didn't think it was true, but it was an experience that I had that transformed my life. These had to be their moments, these experiences. And, and ultimately, our goal as a church, the reason we gather together, the goal for this environment that you're sitting in, uh, you may want to know that our desire is that you would have an undeniable transformational experience with Jesus, That's what's written on the top of the whiteboard in our green room, that you would have an undeniable transformational experience with Jesus. That's what we create this environment for. And for those people that were living in the time of Jesus when he was walking around on the planet, they understood the difference just like we do between an explanation and an experience because they were inundated with explanations about what God used to do and who God used to be like and what they needed to do to kind of get in a rhythm and get in step and keep in good graces with God. And so they did all these rituals that, if they were honest, most of them might not under- understand fully. Uh, you know, they did sacrifices. They traveled all over the, you know, their local area to make sure that they were doing the right things, but they never experienced it for themselves. And then Jesus shows up and doesn't tell people about what God did but it invites people into what God is doing and extends them an invitation to come along, and everything changes, and the same invitation is here today for you and for me. And so we are going to look at what happened when the very first followers of Jesus started following Jesus. This is the very, very beginning. So if you have a Bible, you can grab it and turn to John chapter 1. If not, there's a gray Bible directly in front of you in the seat back pocket, or if you're in one of the front rows, it's under your seat. Grab that, and if you're in the gray Bible, turn to page 740. We're in John chapter 1. Now again, at this point in time, Jesus has like zero followers. He's less popular than you. He has no free deals on popular pays, okay? Nobody's liking his posts on Facebook. He's a virtual unknown person. And yet there was a person that we're going to read about in just a second that was very famous. He had kind of caused this stir. He was kind of this crazy man. Uh, His name was John the Baptizer. And he was kind of just, uh, you know, just hairy and gnarly. And he was down in the river, baptizing people, telling them about this future coming Messiah, which means the person we've been waiting for. And people would be very familiar with that in this Jewish context. And all of a sudden, John says, when Jesus walks up to the river, there he is. That's the guy I've been talking about. That's the one. Follow him. And so we pick up this story immediately after that happens. And two people, John, who wrote this book, that followed Jesus around for three years and wrote this stuff down and learned from Jesus and wrote down what he said and what he saw Jesus do, uh, he wrote this book, so we creatively call it the Gospel of John. Um, He is one of these people. So starting in verse 37, it says, when the two disciples, which one of them was John, heard him, meaning John the baptizer, I know it's confusing, keep with me, right? heard him say this, they started following Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Which, whenever Jesus asks you, what do you want, I would have come up with a better answer than this. But they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, which is a very common phrase at that point in time, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went with him and they saw where he was staying and they spent the rest of the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John, the baptizer, had said and had followed Jesus. So the first thing Andrew did was find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. So it changed from teacher, rabbi, to this is the one we've been waiting for. By spending the afternoon with Jesus, who he thought Jesus was changed. And he simply goes to his brother and he tells his brother of his experience. We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him, meaning Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, which whenever anybody knows your name before you introduce yourself to them, pay attention, (laughs) right? But you will be called Cephas, which is now translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Along the way, he was finding Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So again, I don't know why. I'm kind of reading between the lines here. I think Bethsaida was a good place to be from, since it was mentioned. So Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel said. Come and see, said Philip. And so I don't know why that was Nathaniel's immediate pushback. Uh, You know, everybody's proud of their city. So it's kind of like saying Green Bay. Anything good come out of Green Bay? Until until Super Bowl time. But then we all, anyway. All right. So stay with me. Come on back. Right. So I love that John records that it, 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 it's so interesting to me that John records that every person, at least these first five, every person that was invited to follow Jesus, the very first thing they did was go get somebody else. I mean, that's so curious to me. And it wasn't like it was easy. It wasn't like they were just like, all right, cool, let's go. Like he even records Nathaniel's feedback and pushback and resistance. It, it's so curious that John is the only one that didn't invite somebody. It's a like, great example, John. Maybe he was busy taking notes, and so we should be grateful, perhaps. But, I mean, everybody else, immediately after they're spending time with Jesus, goes and shares their experience with someone else and invites them to come and see as well. Because they are just like us. When we love something and something transforms our life, we love to share it. You do. It's just natural. You can't help it. You have an incredible meal. What do you talk about at your next meal? How much better that meal was, right? You see an amazing sunset. You post it on social media. Hashtag, no filter, right? (laughs) Like, we love to share things that are meaningful for us, even if they're not that seemingly life-altering, right? And so when these men encountered Jesus, again, for them, the one they had been told about since they were young boys, the one that their culture had been waiting for, the one that they were constantly doing these rituals and practices, as beautiful and meaningful as they were, they never really understood they always had an explanation, but now they had an experience with a person, and it radically changed their life. And the first thing they knew to do, they couldn't help it, was to invite someone that they were in a relationship with to come and see as well. And I love that Philip's response to Nathaniel wasn't a theological argument as to why Jesus could very possibly be the Messiah. He didn't waste any time doing any of that. He simply said, come and see. Because from the onset, right, from, these are the very, very first followers of Jesus, we know that, that when someone has an experience, it's so much better than just facts, right? That, that we're the same way, that, that we are way more persuaded by someone else's experience with something than we are just by reading the information. When was the last time that you went to a restaurant because you read a restaurant's website? probably not that long ago, right? You were on Yelp yesterday. Like, you you probably didn't read the the movie's webpage and get all the information about what they thought it was great, because of course they want you to go see it, but you check out Rotten Tomatoes or ask your friends, hey, how was it? Like, for real, should I pay $35, or whatever it is now to go see a movie, right? Should I really do that? I don't know about you, but I rarely go and just book a trip, you know, without checking TripAdvisor first. How is this person's experience? Because that's way more trustworthy in my mind because they were an actual consumer than just what that hotel or that airline wants me to know from their perspective. We, we do this all the time. We're already awesome at this. We, we look around for other people's experiences to help us make decisions. And we offer our experience to help people make decisions as well. So what if, when it comes to faith, specifically when it comes to sharing our faith, that there's a better way that's more natural than what we might picture or feel when we hear the word evangelism? What if, like these very first followers, the invitation for us is simply to invite other people to come and decide for themselves? What if evangelism at its core is truly telling and sharing good news? That if you've experienced something that has changed and transformed your life, that you can share that with somebody else. Because the reality is, is that you're here. Like I said, we're going to talk about why it is, how it is that we all got here. We all got here because somebody shared something with us. They invited us. And so whether you're in a transformed relationship with Jesus or you're here because you're at least curious, you wouldn't be here otherwise, what if the invitation for you as well, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey right now, today, is that God is inviting you to invite someone else. Because clearly these first followers did not have it all together, right? Nathaniel brought his doubts with them. And what's funny is if you keep reading in John chapter 1, if someone is the Messiah, you shouldn't talk bad about them, even if you're across town, because he can hear you. <laughs> and so it's a funny conversation with Nathaniel and Jesus later. But there's this moment where people understand, I can't explain it to you. You've got to just come experience it for yourself. And we have these moments. We try to explain something. No, seriously, this dessert was like crazy. Just listen. Like, it's not what you think. You don't understand. And then you finally say, you just got to go. Like, next time you go, just get that. It'll change your life. It's powerful. It's just dessert. No, no, it's so much more than dessert. <laughs> right, that, that's the thing. But, but we, have, we have pushback when it comes to faith. And I get it. I'm the same way. And you might be thinking, oh, Kurt, Kurt, of course this is easy for you. You're like a professional Christian. Like you talk about Jesus all the time. <laughs> of course it's easy for you to talk to your friends about Jesus. But I'll tell you, it's scary for me too. I'm intimidated all the time. I hold back all the time when I shouldn't. Because I'm afraid that they're going to ask a question that I don't know the answer to. That they're going to have a resistance that I don't know how to handle or it's going to get uncomfortable. Or that the relationship might be at risk if I bring up... Jesus, or faith, or some sort of spirituality. I have the same pushback that you do. But that's what is so beautiful about this idea, is because it actually takes the pressure off, and it raises the bar. Because you don't have to have all the answers. John and Andrew and Simon and and Philip, they didn't have any answers. They didn't get into a debate. They simply said, come and see. And so you and I, we get to just invite our friends here, and Jared can answer all their questions. (laughs) Right? But... But when we share our experience, you actually can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Because we know that the love of God does not need to be explained. It needs to be experienced. The same principle applies. I bet you we can all think of a person in our life that we know that they need the love of God to transform their life. The last thing they need is more religion, or more guilt, or to feel bad about themselves. (coughs) But hope, life, Forgiveness, yeah, they could use some of that. And, and whatever your experience with Jesus has been, what if God is, ex- is inviting you to invite them to experience the same thing? And, and maybe you were raised similar to me, that, that church is for church people and religion is for religious people, and that's all fine and good, and maybe it's even true. But Jesus so clearly showed up and says, I came for all people, all people. And so we're not trying to convince people to think something different. We're not trying to coerce them into anything. This isn't some sort of manipulation. We're simply inviting them to come and see who Jesus is. I had a a guy that I became friends with a couple years ago. Uh, I really love coffee. I'm a huge fan. Uh, and I know it's really just dirty water, but I think it's different. And so I love coffee. And so he um, he owns a coffee shop with his brother here in the neighborhood. And I just would frequent that place and give them all my money. Uh, and so we, we kind of became friends. And then we moved into a new building and learned that they lived across the hall from us. So that was great. Uh, and we got to know each other. And our, our dogs hated each other. So we laughed about that. It was fun. Um, but as we built this relationship, and I got to know him a little bit more, you know, I... I had a conversation with him and I shared with him about my faith and I shared with him about, you know, what I do for a living, which is always the question you don't want anyone to ask you when you're a pastor. It's like, what do you do? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so I got to know his story and, and, and a little bit about, about him and, and invited him to church a couple of times. We didn't have a big theological debate at the counter. We just, I just invited him to come. I invited him to be a part of what God was doing here at Soul City. And he came once or twice and, and it, you know, it never really stuck. And then about January... I learned that him and his brother, who, like I said, own a couple of coffee shops, had closed their shops on Sunday. Now, that was interesting. Maybe they made enough money that now they don't have to work the weekend, and that's, that's fun. And a couple weeks later, I'm standing out in the lobby, and in walks my friend, and he wasn't alone. I mean, he rolled in deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was like entourage. Like, they all get out of this black SUV, and it's like 13 people. I'm like, were you guys wearing safety belts? Um, But it's him, his brother, his girlfriend, his friends, and half of their staff that I'd met at the coffee shop. I'm like, did you pay them to come to church with you? Because that's awesome, but not really fair. Uh, I can't do that. And I'll tell you what. I saw what happened that morning here at Soul City so differently because my friend was sitting in the seat. I'm like, don't say anything stupid, Jared. <laughs> right? It mattered to me at a new level. It mattered to me. And, and I didn't have this huge, elaborate conversation with them. We were just friends. And I sent him the invitation. And there's so many times when I wish I would have and I didn't. But there he was. And what was so fun is that he was here at the 830 with his crew. Took up a whole row in the back. And my prayer for them has simply been that by me sharing a little bit of what God has done in my life, that, that would open the opportunity for God to do something in theirs. And what if, what if God has given you and me the opportunity to extend the invitation for other people to experience what you and I have experienced? No matter what that looks like, no matter where you are on your journey, you've experienced something. You wouldn't be here otherwise. God's saying, what if what I've done for you isn't just for you? What if there's someone in your life, a coworker, that you've had great lunchtime conversations with, but it's never really gone to that next level? What what about them? That family member that, if you were honest, you know, they're just having a tough season. They're in a difficult spot. And to extend an invitation wouldn't feel like pressure. It wouldn't feel like coercion. It would actually feel like a gift, because you're already in relationship with them. What if God is inviting you and inviting me to be the people that extend the invitation for others to come and see? And they can decide for themselves. Whether they accept your invitation or decide to follow Jesus or not is not ultimately your responsibility. It's not mine either. That's God's job. He'll take care of that because you know what's great? He knows and loves the person that you're thinking about right now way more than you even do. He knows about things in your life, in their life, that you don't even know about. They've never even shared with you. But he's aware, and he's engaged, and he desires to be close. And so it's not about changing religions or convincing people to do something or getting a box checked. This is about a transforming relationship with Jesus. And if your life has been changed by Jesus, if my life has been changed by Jesus, who in my world do I know? Who in your world do you know that needs the love of God to transform their life? And could it be that the only thing standing in between their life now and the life that God desires for them is an invitation from you? I had a relationship with a friend uh, back in high school and I uh, I didn't show this at the first service because I was just thinking about it in between, but um, this was kind of the opposite side just to help you relate, like I didn't tell her about um, my relationship, my faith with God, and then we went to different colleges, and we kind of reconnected like 10 years later uh, on Facebook. And I'll never forget, we had this really good conversation, we were in a lot of classes together, so we became pretty close in high school, but then she told me 10 years later, "Kurt, I knew you were a Christian, but why didn't you ever tell me about it? And, and like, this was after she had gone to college and then decided to go to seminary and become a pastor herself. So I'm like way late to the game, right? <laughs> I'm like, Siobhan, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. She said, I wish you would have. I probably would have rejected you. But I wish you would have. And it just that sank in my soul. Not in a guilt way, but just in, a, in, a, in an invitation from God way. I said, you never know. You never know who's one invitation away from their life being completely changed. Completely changed. Because Jesus came for all people. And so when we think about this idea, it's not about convincing people to listen to me. We don't have to have all the answers, but it's about inviting people to come and see. Come and see who Jesus is, which takes the pressure off and raises the bar, because we can all think of someone. And the reality is, someone thought of you. Someone thought of me. might have been a friend, a coworker. might have been a parent when you were really young. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that someone took the risk, had the courage to say, would you come to church with me or would you let me share my story with you? Aren't you glad? You've probably had some hard stuff in your life and maybe Jesus has walked you through that. Aren't you glad? You might've had a lot of doubts and frustrations and you didn't know you could come to Jesus with those doubts and someone said, no, it's okay. Nathaniel screwed it up big time his first invitation, so you can come too. Like, and you were accepted right where you were. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're a part of a church that creates environments where people, no matter where they're at on their spiritual journey, can simply say, I wanna come and see. I wanna come and see who Jesus is. And So because I'm glad someone did that for me, and I bet you're glad someone did that for you, what if we become the types of people who when the moment's right and the door opens and the conversation presents itself with people that we're in relationship with, we say, hey, can I, can I share something with you? Can I extend an invitation for you to join me? Because this has changed my life and I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all my questions answered and my life is certainly not all together. We're friends, you know that. But would you, but would you come and see? Would you come and see? And then you decide. You decide for you. Because ultimately that's the imitation that Jesus gave to his first followers and that he gives to you and to me even today. And what's so cool is that these first followers, Andrew and John and Philip, Peter and even Nathaniel and a couple others, about three years later, they found themselves in a room with Jesus who had, in their mind, shifted. He was no longer just a great teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just the messiah, the one they had been waiting for. But he had become their savior. He had become their leader. He had become their friend. And he is sitting at the table with these people, these same people, and there's a meal in front of them, and there's bread, and he says, you know, this this meal isn't like any other meal. The elements are very familiar, but there's new meaning to it. This bread that I'm going to break, as we always do, and pass around and share together, this isn't just bread anymore. This represents my body. Because very soon, my body is going to be broken. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be pierced. I'm going to be killed. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm giving myself up for you, my friends. And they took the cup that they were very familiar with. There's always a cup at the table. And said, this, this wine is just regular wine, but it, now it's something new. It's, it's what seals my connection to you in a new way. Because soon, very soon, my blood is going to be poured out like this wine for the forgiveness of sins, for your sins these people sitting in the room, and for millions and millions of people that will put their faith in me for years to come, far away places that you've never heard of, even like Chicago. My blood's gonna be poured out as an offering to reconnect you with God, to extend the invitation even more for not only for you to come and see, but for you to come and follow. I wanna transform you And as they ate, and as they drank, and as they sat together around the table was both the betrayer and the betrayed, the cynic and the loyalist, and the liar and the follower. And the invitation from Jesus was given to all of them. All of them. And that's why I know that the invitation is for me as well, and it's for you. And so as we receive communion together this morning, we are stepping into this beautiful tradition, but it's not just a tradition. It is truly an invitation from Jesus himself for you to come and see. And so as you rip off a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and you eat it, as you taste its flavor and feel its texture, I pray that the love of God that cannot be explained has to be experienced, that you would experience the love of God for you and that it would challenge you for the people that you know in your life, that perhaps they are one invitation away from coming and experiencing Jesus as well. And for some of you, maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure, you haven't made up your mind about Jesus and that's totally, Totally fine. We're so glad that you're here. Because maybe you thought you had to have it all figured out or get your life together before you could come to God. My, my hope is that this message has bring, in, bring you hope, that you can bring exactly who you are right where you're at. And so maybe for you, when you take communion, it's you saying, okay, okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll come and see. I haven't decided yet. That's Okay but I'll come and see. And so in a moment, we're going to receive communion together. You're going to be dismissed by Rose, by our host team, and come up again, rip off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. If you have a need for gluten-free bread, we have that available. We don't want anyone to miss out on the invitation from Jesus to come to the table and experience his transforming love for you. And so if you need that, just ask for it. But Let's pray together, and then we will receive communion together. Jesus, we are so thankful that you invited us into what God is doing. We don't just have to hear explanations about what God used to do, but we can know what God is doing right here, right now, personally, in our lives, and God, that you would even use us to accomplish the things that you wanna do is incredible, that you would trust us. That's powerful but even right now, would you bring to our mind a person that we know that we could extend the invitation to? Would you give us the courage to invite them simply to come and see? God, maybe for some of us, we can't think of a person. All of our friends are already in relationship with you. Would you challenge us to reach outside of our comfort zone and build relationships with people so that we can extend your love to them. And God, for those of us that might be in this room this morning that we don't have it all figured out, we never thought of ourselves as a, as a church person, but we find ourselves here this morning and we hear you clearly inviting us to check you out for ourselves and make our own decision God, that's a wonderful place. May we respond to your invitation to simply follow just as we are. So Jesus, we come to the table that represents your body and your blood. We receive you even new this morning. Jesus, in your powerful name that we pray, amen.